welcome to Help Start the Genocide in American Ghettos podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Barbie. I'd like to encourage everyone on my Facebook friends list, everyone in my social groups, and all of my listeners worldwide. Please do me a favor. Hit that like button and share this video podcast with your friends, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel. It's free. Help make this video podcast go viral by posting this link to your Facebook page, your Instagram page, and or on your Twitter page. This video podcast is available in three forms. Audio, video, and as a written text in order for us to reach our audience. On my YouTube channel, you can watch my latest video podcast. I provide direct links to our virtual store, my Amazon author page, our PayPal page, my Medium page, and our GoFundMe page under the About section. We look forward to having you on board with this, with us as we embrace upon this exciting project. If you are listening to this audio podcast on Anchor, just click on the YouTube icon to connect with my YouTube channel. In order to follow along with my presentation, I strongly recommend everyone on my Facebook friends list exchange emails with me so that I can email you everything I do online. I encourage all of my listeners to follow me on my Medium page. This is where I post my transcript so that you can read my full speech word for word or click on the audio version to hear my speech. I use this platform to interact with everyone on my friends list and everyone in my social groups by giving black business owners free airtime to promote their products and services. I give people in the faith community an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I give black authors and, and ordinary law-abiding citizens an opportunity to share their special talents and skills to my listeners from around the globe. After the show, I offer my guest speakers an incentive by teaching them how to create their own podcast and YouTube channel to help them earn extra revenue. I also assist people on my friends list with creating basic websites, finding college scholarships and grants, housing and legal services, all for free. I am not interested in writing and publishing more books, but rather producing quality black empowerment films and creating successful black businesses. I am not online to beg for donations. I want to exchange something of value. My thing is, if I am going to ask for something, then I'm going to have a product or service behind it, like my revised book or my virtual store. This video podcast is an extension of the grassroots community activist movement. Over here, we promote critical thinking while discussing social issues throughout the diaspora and on the African continent until the Grassroots Community Activist Institute of Chicago materialize. It's my hope through this podcast and through my social groups I can connect with other like-minded black people, African people, Afro-Caribbean people, Afro-Brazilian people, and others who will work with me directly in turning my vision and plan for black America and Africa into a reality. Once we get this film project fully funded and made and get our Christian business up and running, then I would love to invite many of you to Chicago, Illinois to speak or preach during our live events. Through the Grassroots Community Activist Institute of Chicago, we will help pay for your travel and hotel expenses depending on our budget and sponsorship. We will also compensate you for your time and talent. Our objective is to keep our community informed and connected. For those of you who appreciate all of the hard work that I'm doing on this video. The best way you can show your support is by donating to our film project through our 
GoFundMe page or by purchasing items from our virtual store and help me get my revised book on the bestsellers list so that the world would take our cause serious. Our goal is to take your camp to the next level, the big screen. The proceeds from the film will put me in a better position financially so that I can purchase property for our Christian business, Gurkai of Chicago. Buy office equipment and hire qualified black middle class professionals who would make sure that this business will be effective and successful for years to come. Most of all, make our presence known in the African American community starting in Chicago. Without support from the black grassroots and the global African family, then I am unable to do my job. 31 years of being overlooked and rejected has not stopped me from stumping hard for my people who are trapped in American ghettos. I provide all the links in the comment section below. Please mark your calendar for Saturday, April 29, 2023. I would like to personally invite everyone on my Facebook friends list, everyone in my social groups, and all of my listeners from around the globe to participate on our special segment, Gurkham Virtual Conference. I'm looking for at least five people to be on the panel. I prefer that we practice using StreamYard first in order for us to do a professional show that will challenge our competitors. Theme, witchcraft in the, in the church. Time, 2 p.m. through 3 p.m. American Central Time. 3 p.m. Canadian Time. 8 p.m. West African Time. 9 p.m. South African Time. 10 p.m. East African Time and 8 p.m. UK time. Instructions on how to participate on the show. First, watch my video podcast. This is called Side A. After I finish my presentation, then I will open up the phone lines through Facebook Messenger. This is called Side B. You can interact with me in real time, either by voice call, by clicking on the phone icon, or by video call, by clicking on the camera icon. Today's topic of discussion is as follows. The Tennessee Three, Whitewashing Our History in America, White Supremacist Sympathizers Targeting Black Citizens, and How Does the White Supremacist Financial Elite Maintain Generational Wealth? Our first topic, the Tennessee Three. The case involving the Tennessee Three is about two black legislators and one white female legislator who were protesting an issue related to gun control. I would give you my commentary about how racial politics has played itself out in this situation. The Tennessee legislator had expelled two members from the House of Representatives because they interrupted a debate on the floor about gun, gun violence. Mind you, this was after a mass shooting in Nashville where six people were murdered. The House legislator voted to expel them. They were successful at expelling the two black representatives, Justin Peterson and Justin Jones. The white female, Gloria Johnson, was spared by one vote. I'm going to explore the racial dynamics of this incident and discuss how we as black people can separate Democratic Party politics from black politics. Justin Peterson, Justin Jones, and Gloria Johnson were on Meet the Press. To watch the video clip, I recommend that you go to my menu transcript and scroll down to show and prove. Listen to their response. Fair use, NBC. I'm known as the Tennessee Three for fighting for their jobs. Not by addressing the voters who elected them, though, but a Republican supermajority vowing to punish them. Republican House Speaker Cameron Sexton even linked their peaceful protest to insurrection. With no investigation, no consideration of a censure or some other legislative penalty, Tennessee Republicans wielded their power to call for the expulsion of the duly elected Tennessee Three. While Johnson narrowly survived the expulsion vote, 
Representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, the two youngest black male legislators in the body, did not. Moments later, on the Capitol steps, their resolve was stronger than ever. They thought they won today. They don't realize. They don't realize how they started. They started a woman they can't stop. They thought thought that we were creating good trouble there, but we're on the outside now. Sometimes to get from the periphery in the back of the house, you got to go to the well of democracy. And demand that democracy would be true for everybody. Not just the rich white men and chiefs. If the Republicans' goal was to silence these good troublemakers, it was far from a success. The Tennessee Three's expulsion sparked even greater protests and skyrocketed the Tennessee legislature to the top of the national news cycle. The trio had a virtual discussion with President Biden, where he thanked them for their example. And Vice President Kamala Harris made a sudden trip to enlist even more Tennesseans in the fight for democracy. change. 
And even in a moment of persecution, it will do what it is intended to do. And an institution that has its pillars built by white supremacy and by patriarchy will still produce a similar result. Even in the Did you all hear that? Justin Pearson, he said, systems of patriarchy and white supremacy. This is code word for LGBT agenda. You see, when a black politician falls victim of racism, but the person instead focus on patriarchy, he is a he has a problem with masculinity. I found an article about Justin Jones from the Tennessee Star entitled, quote, Left Wing Activist Justin Jones Removed After Heckling Michael Bloomberg in Nashville, unquote. He gets removed from a campaign rally for Michael Bloomberg in Nashville. Did you read the article to see why he was removed? Question. Was he removed for standing up for black issues? No. He was supporting Latino issues. We have to watch these people who promote this black and brown coalition. Thank God that we are in the information age due to the internet. Let's take a look at Justin Pearson website and see which issues are important to him. To see his website, I recommend that you go to my medium transcript and scroll down to show and prove. Then click on the top of his website that says issues. According to his website, the important issues to Justin Pearson is environmental and climate justice, affordable housing, justice in aging, economic justice, voting rights, educational equity and funding our schools, health care for all, Medicaid expansion and health care, poverty alleviation, criminal justice reform and public safety, transportation and infrastructure. Now, the only time he mentions black people is under voting rights and criminal justice reform. He is telling you in so many words that they need to galvanize young black voters. This is standard procedure. Truth be told, these guys are see themselves as wannabe activists within the Democratic Party. When, when they are speaking out against patriarchy before racism and white supremacy, then they are sending a message they're all about LGBT rights and immigrant rights as their top priority. This is a perfect example of why we need people from the black grassroots to get into politics and run for public office. If you go to the website to any of these black politicians, you will see them advocating for everyone except for black people. This is done by design. It's our job to do our due diligence. Now let's take a look at Justin Jones website and see which issues are important to him. To see his website, I recommend that you go to my Medium transcript and scroll down to show and prove. Then click on top of his website that says issues. According to his website, the important issues to Justin Jones is health care for all, environmental justice, immigrant and refugees rights, protecting public education, living wages and safe working conditions, and mass incarceration. The Democrats always talk a good game about gun control as a solution for gun violence in America. The problem is capitalism has created a society where our laws, lawmakers see time and time again our children are being gunned down and there is still no major change in American gun laws across the board. 
American politics is corrupt and unethical, and this reflects the problem within American politics, from the type of guns that the lawmakers refuse to ban and the huge profits they receive from lobbyist groups. The NRA have corrupted the American government and made lawmakers incapable of making any meaningful gun reform in America. The expulsion of two black men, Justin Pearson and Justin Jones, and a white woman by the name of Gloria Johnson, they all broke the rules in the chamber. So the chamber took an extraordinary step of expelling the two black legislators while allowing the white woman to remain in the chamber by one vote. Their decision has led to an uproar across the nation. If you do the research on criminal justice statistics, you will notice a pattern whenever a black and white Whenever black people and white people commit the same crime, black people, for the most part, get punished with a longer sentence. In the case of race, it gets hijacked when it benefits a political agenda. For example, if someone tells you, if you don't vote for Biden, then you're not black. That person is watering down the black experience and the need to have our issues at the forefront of the issues. In contrast, when a Republican tells you that the Democrat Party is a modern day plantation for black people, you should join the Republican Party. They're watering down the black experience. I live in Chicago. Chicago has some of the most strictest gun laws in America, yet black children who reside in our inner cities are gunned down every week. Why? Because these politicians don't care about keeping our poor black residents safe. This is a city ran by Democrats. If you're serious Democrats who care about everyone, don't come to me and tell me how terrible the Republicans are. I heard that mess for 30 years. Prove to me that you are challenging white supremacist financial elites within your political party in order to adjust the way your political party deals with the African-American community. When I see a district that your political party has controlled for 25 years and the same social problems still is happening, then that tells me that black people need to give their vote to the other party. These black politicians are not leaders, just Negro managers. A leader is someone who is trying to lead you and your family to a better place than, than where you are. A Negro manager is someone who keeps you contained in a certain area and do the best they can to get you to continue voting for the same political party for nothing. And in order to obtain my vote, it does not matter which political party. I want tangibles in the forms of reparations and having an anti-black hate crime bill. Over here, we're trying to build a black independent base within the African-American community called Archive Chicago. My thoughts about Brandon Johnson, where is his black agenda? He reminds me of Cory Booker. His campaign was similar to Lori Lightfoot. He came out of nowhere. Please leave a public comment on my YouTube page about the topic. Most of all, share this video podcast with your friends. This will help get the ball rolling. Our second topic, whitewashing our history in America. As the cry for reparation gets louder and louder, the white supremacist financial elites have decided to whitewash our history from the textbooks under the term critical race theory. I found an article on CNN entitled, quote, Review Board Allows Ruby Bridges Movie to Be Shown at Elementary School After Parents Complaint, unquote. To read the full article, I recommend that you go to my Medium transcript and scroll down to show and prove. This is about white supremacist financial elites using their authority to push their narrative. 
Since black America has rejected my vision and plan for the past 31 years, now my words are coming to pass and it's about to get real out here. Their goal is to confuse black children and make them believe that everybody immigrated here and was work workers, ignoring our ancestral enslavement, Jim Crow, and our fight against white supremacy in America. The white supremacist financial elites are using public schools to indoctrinate black children about their history and their identity. They're removing the word slavery and calling them indentured servants. Notice they are not trying to erase LGBT history, Asian history, or Latino history. We're the only group that is targeted. I explained to my group members and my listeners back in 2005 that white supremacist financial elites want to target our children because our children is the next leaders. From the CNN article, I was what I understood was this one parent object to this film, mind you, this was not about slavery, but American history. This is the continued experience that descendants of American slaves have to endure, and this is why we need reparations. Ruby Bridges was the first African-American child to desegregate an all-white elementary school in Louisiana during the New Orleans school desegregation crisis on November 14, 1960. She was being terrorized by white adults. During the LA riots, following the beating of Rodney King, that wasn't just limited to Los Angeles, but throughout the United States of America, black people supported the uprising in Los Angeles after the acquittal of four white police officers shown on videotape beating an unarmed black man. My generation was marching in the streets of Chicago saying, no justice, no peace. What happened in one black neighborhood also resonated elsewhere from our common experience. As I mentioned in my revised book, rap music became more conscious. From my understanding about the great replacement theory from a rapper in the 90s named Brass Cass, quote, nature of the threat, unquote. He talked about the evolution and how Europeans gain influence and power around the globe. According to him, by 2050, almost all the Earth's population will be brown and black. In the United States of America and other Western countries, whose populations are mostly white, a far-right conspiracy theory is emerging that left-wing financial elites under the direction of co-conspirators are attempting to replace white citizens with non-whites, quote, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, and Arab immigrants. The immigrants' increased presence in white countries, as the theory goes, in combination with their higher birth rates as compared with those of whites will create non-white majorities in those countries to take control of political and economic institutions to duelate those host countries distinctive cultures and societies and eventually to eliminate the host countries with white populations the concept of non-white immigrants threatening the freedom and well-being of whites has been a battle cry among white races. Likewise, the claim that national governments are secretly directing and replacing and eventually eliminating of whites has circulated among fringe groups of white supremacists, anti-Semitics, and other right-wing extremists since at least the late 19th century. The replacement theory received more attention during the Trump administration. Once white corporations got a hold of rap music and rap artists, then all of a sudden, all these rap labels, record labels, started promoting gangster rap, the killing of, of other black 
blacks became the norm. When we start learning about all of the atrocities committed against our people, that's when we start talking about Black Wall Street, Wilmington, Rosewood, and many others. These, these were many places that had thriving black communities, which was built on thriving black economies. They didn't they did not teach us this in public schools. This was told by word of mouth. None of you really knew the truth about the Homestead Act. In public school, they only taught us that the Homestead Act assisted white immigrants coming to America. They don't tell you how the Homestead Act affects you today. European immigrants were given hundreds of acres of free land, money, and supplies while denying our ancestors' reparations. This is why it's essential for you to know your history and be able to prove your point. This is why I created Kirkham to connect with other like-minded black people, African people, Afro-Basilians, Afro-Latino people, and Afro-Caribbean people. The fact that the white supremacist financial elite is trying to erase or trying to whitewash our History and the history books is proof that this is an ongoing battle against us today. We are being singled out because of our lineage. The white supremacist financial elites are creating laws specifically to target our group. Please leave a public comment on my YouTube page about the topic. Most of all, share this video podcast with your friends. This will help get the ball rolling. Our third topic, white supremacist sympathizers targeting black citizens. I found a video clip from Denver 7 entitled, quote, a modern day KK assault black ranchers in rural El Paso County claim they're being terrorized, unquote. To watch the video, I recommend that you go to my medium transcript and scroll down to show and prove. Fair use Denver 7. Two black ranchers in rural El Paso County say their cries for help and allegations of racism have been largely ignored by the sheriff's office for years. And you've likely heard some of the Mallory story, which has been shared thousands of times on social media now. Those viral posts have led to national scrutiny over how the El Paso County Sheriff's Office has handled more than two years of disputes between the couple and the neighbors. Now they're speaking exclusively to Denver 7 on camera together for the first time. And Denver 7's Michael Smith has tonight's exclusive that now has El Paso County deputies defending their actions. Farming while black in America. Farming while black in America. The voice you hear is Nicole Mallory's, and the person being arrested is her husband, Courtney C.W. Mallory. The Mallory's are black ranchers in rural El Paso County, saying, this moment is the culmination of years of blatant racism by community members. The El Paso County Sheriff's Office's failure to respond. A lot of them, their pets, their uh, pets have been poisoned and killed. Some of their livestock have been poisoned and killed. Dr. Vern L. Howard is teaming up with Portia Prescott and Rashad Younger from the NAACP to help the Mallory's. Basically, the Mallory's have been harassed on their property and on their land. At that point, it became very clear that they weren't necessarily safe. Animals poisoned and killed, a couple feeling harassed and terrorized. Huge claims that will break down. But first, how do we go from the Mallory's being seen as victims to the ones in handcuffs? The El Paso County Sheriff's Office investigated and decided it was the Mallory's who were felony stalking their neighbor. We got our hands on the arrest affidavit. It focuses on multiple complaints from the Mallory's next door neighbor. It's clear, there's years of animosity on both sides of this easement road. And it's this road that has been center stage for many of their interactions. Like C.W. and Nicole walking between the properties with their hands up yelling, hands up, don't shoot. The affidavit mentioned a 19-page law that the neighbor maintained was supporting video and photos of each interaction she considered to be stalking. But when it came time for the investigation, it wasn't her cameras pointed at them, 
but the Mallory cameras pointed toward her property that deputies confiscated. With the affidavit in hand, we went to the Mallory's ranch. It was a windy day, so we met inside our news car. After talking for nearly an hour, the Mallory's finally agreed to do their first sit-down interview with me. The only support that I have and the only other eyes I have to, 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 to try to catch what's going on around me. CW said the sheriff's office is using video caught on the neighbor's security cameras against him. His cameras were removed. I asked him why he'd walk by their neighbor's home with hands in the air. My cows were loose, so we went down there, got our cows, pushed them back the way they came out. I said, we need to put our hands up and say, please don't shoot us. We're just getting our cows. Please don't shoot us. Let's be clear, um, me putting my, I just want to revisit that, me putting my hands up, us putting our hands up, and um, is the safety. Um, as an African American, we said a lot that this is a land dispute between neighbors. That's what it boils down to. And that you all or your neighbors that you to avoid each other because you have so much love. What is your response to that? Let me be clear about something. I do not have a neighbor dispute. My dispute is with El Paso County Sheriff's Department for enabling this behavior. Nicole says one deputy in particular who she's filed multiple complaints against is leading the charge. In what I believe is a modern day KKK assault against my family. That's not a small accusation to make. But Nicole says Facebook comments and a community page turned to blatant racism after the Sheriff's Office got involved. Comments like, I was amazed at how much property was tagged Black Lives Matter. Didn't expect that kind of in-your-face crap way out here. Let's all go have car issues on that road. And are there any restrictions on size of pitchforks and fire sticks in Colorado? From there, Nicole says it turned to physical attacks. Animals being gutted. Our lives being threatened. People being sent to our home um, under threat of lynch. Lynching, hanging, pitchforks, fire, we had a chicken coop set ablaze. I asked the Mallory's what the sheriff's office did in response. Nothing. 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 Actually, I think maybe what happened was they were trying to figure out how to charge us with a crime. Since the time of Mr. Mallory's arrest, my office has received numerous emails and calls with people voicing concern with how we have handled the Mallory situation. On Tuesday afternoon, Sheriff Joseph Royval finally answered questions about the case that's gone viral on social media and shared body camera video painting the Mallory's as combative and unwilling to cooperate in unrelated investigations. But the Sheriff's Office provided few details about the Mallory's current claims of harassment and racial discrimination. The one concrete update was the decision by the Sheriff to review two dozen prior cases. In the end, they reopened two, one of which involves the Mallory's as the victims. And the sheriff said he more than anyone wants to ensure there is no racist behavior inside his department. No one would be more eager than I to rid my office of a deputy sheriff who was racist and treating members of the community unfairly. We started asking the El Paso County Sheriff's Office for records, reports, and interviews five days ago. We were denied and given a bill for thousands of dollars. There are many more allegations addressed by the sheriff Tuesday, including a conspiracy about a murdered ranch hand and the arrest of Nicole Mallory nearly two years ago when she fired a shot at a process server who had entered her private property without notice. I promise to follow up in more detail tomorrow on Denver 7. And the El Paso County Sheriff's Office has now decided to release more than 120 pages of records pertaining to cases involving the Mallory's. Unfortunately, that release happened right before this newscast began. So Micah is now combing through, through those new records, and she will bring you an in-depth update tomorrow on Denver 7. And this story is so important because the number of black farmers across America has declined greatly over the past century. Let's break down the numbers for you. Researchers at UMass Boston looked at data from the USDA Census of Agriculture. They found that black farmers lost 326 billion dollars worth of acreage in the 20th century. Currently, black farmers own less than 1% of all farmland. Colorado 
was home to a historically black farming settlement in the early 1900s. Deerfield in Weld County is now a ghost town, but it was once a place to end the cycle of poverty. They knew that if they could own their own land, own their own homes, they could use that to pass on to their children. They could sell it. They could borrow against it. Discriminatory lending policies and forced sales are said to be major factors in the loss of land. So what I noticed on the video is that when law enforcement intervened, they confiscated the Mallory's cameras, not the neighbor's cameras. As soon as the sheriff department got involved, then all of a sudden a bunch of posts on social media started popping up. The Cucuts clan began harassing this black family by killing their livestock. These are white Latinos who are white supremacist sympathizers in El Paso County, Colorado. Looks like that black and brown coalition is dead. We keep hearing stories about what black Americans used to have, land and towns that mysteriously disappeared with the help of local, state, and federal government involvement from Colorado to Missouri bills and laws are aimed at targeting black citizens. I believe black Americans really don't understand the value of owning land. Wealth is in the land. That is why we are doing our best to get this film project fully funded and made so that eventually we can buy property here in Chicago as well as in Africa and the Caribbeans, as well as Brazil. Having a plan, having an agenda is important. A community begins with commerce. When the white supremacist financial elites notice that you are owning uh, acres of land, then they become threatened by that. They are all about militarizing their group to derail black people from achieving our American dream. Please leave a public comment on my YouTube page about the topic. Most of all, share this video podcast with your friends. This will help get the ball rolling. Our third topic, how does the white supremacist financial elites maintain generational wealth? The tab of American slavery continues to run because the beneficiaries of slavery continues to benefit. I found a video that links the Guardian a British newspaper back to slavery. This video sums up the case for reparations. Um, so fair use with uh, the Guardian um, video. Could be true at the same time. That's one of the complexities of history. The Guardian has a traditional origin story, which is that newspaper was founded by John Edward Taylor after the Peterloo Massacre of 1819. Now that story remains true, but in parallel to that story is the fact that Taylor and many of the fellow investors in the Guardian were Manchester cotton brokers and that their fortunes were derived from the processing of slave-produced cotton. And the Guardian, like thousands of institutions in Britain, has direct financial connections to the world of slavery. That reality can't be negotiated, can't be explained away. This history can never be solved, can never be remedied, but it can be something good can come from it, but it needs to be a dialogue. And we will find it difficult, we'll make mistakes, we'll find ourselves in very difficult conversations. But this should be difficult because this history is terrible. And this history is something that is as much part of the story of the Guardian as anything else that we might celebrate or might want to remember. So over the past few decades, and especially since 2020, the summer of murder of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, there has been something of a reckoning in British history. The way most organisations, the way Britain as a whole for the most part, has thought about slavery is to not think about it to brush it under the carpets, to keep it in the margins. It is now being dragged from the historical shadows. It's being placed where it should be, at the centre of our thinking about our past and about our nation. I think more people than ever understand that Britain was a premier slave-trading nation. Britain 
carried into slavery literally millions of people, between three and three, four million people. And that also that Britain was a significant slave-only nation on the islands of the Caribbean and before that in North America. Now, at the centre of that is the story of Con, and at the centre of that history is Manchester. Because both before and critically after the abolition of slavery in the British Empire, vast amounts of cotton was flowing into Liverpool, flowing to the towns around Manchester and into Manchester itself. And Britain was growing enormously wealthy from that trade. My name is Cassandra. I'm the postdoctoral research assistant on this project, which is looking at the founder of the Manchester Guardian, Jonathan Taylor, and the funders and their latest transatlantic trade rate. I'm from the Caribbean. One of the first things that I think about when I go to places like Manchester or places in London that have a huge edifices and structures and monuments, the first thing I think about is where did the money come from? That's what I think about. I think about the Caribbean, I think about the stories of the enslaved that we don't hear, we don't know about. This type of research is quite important because it sheds light on these various aspects, you know, that are historically just whitewashed. There is no blueprint 
There is no book to take off the shelf to tell us how to do this. It's a case of being part of the conversation to work at how societies, how organisations, how individuals confront this history and do something about it. We're going to do our best as an organisation to engage in forms of restorative injustice, but it can, by its very nature, given the scale and the horror of the crime, it will never be enough. That means that we have an unpayable debt, but we do want to be part of a moment and a movement of organisations trying, trying to engage with this history and believing in the restorative justice movement. We want to be part of a process and we want that process to be ongoing and our response to it needs to be part of who we are and who we become. When they talk about profiteering, these institutions leave out slavery profiteering. White media companies like The Guardian made their wealth wealth from. Everyone has a vested interest in concealing this information because everyone who are descendants of slave owners owe the descendants of American slaves, ranging from those of the UK government to the US government. This has occurred for hundreds of years. Slave wealth has been used by white media companies, banks, private institutions, and mega corporations. This is why they are in such a rush to rewrite the history books, but we are in the information age. Good luck with that. I found an article from NPR entitled, quote, Harvard releases report detailing its ties to slavery plans to issue reparations, unquote. Harvard Endowment is the largest of any American institution. They have approximately $56 billion. They are talking about everything except cash reparations. When Dr. King said, Dr. King Jr. said, we're, we're coming to Washington, D.C. to get our check. Off-code Negroes start deflecting and instead start pushing for social integration. I found an article from PBS News Hour entitled, quote, Vatican formally rejects doctrine of discovery after indigenous, indigenous calls, unquote. To read the full article, I recommend that you go to my medium transcript and scroll down to show and prove. Our ancestors enslavement didn't just build the United States of America, but also European nations. Over here, we're documenting this so when these other groups start talking crazy, we'll give them the bill. First and foremost, our reparation must be lineage-based. We're not making a claim based on racism or discrimination. Once we we receive our reparations, then Africa, the Caribbean, and Brazil can start uh, pushing for their uh, reparations from Pacific European nations that either enslaved them or colonized them on the African continent. I have been encouraging my group members and listeners since 2005 to create their African plan and for them to get their passport so that we can become global citizens. America is responsible for causing African coups behind the assassination of African leaders and have created a lot of countries um, who are upset with how uh, America has been treating them over the years. And they're starting to unite against America. We do not need to suffer for these white supremacist financial elites. We have done what they have done around the globe. These people have never appreciated anything black America have done for them. Black Americans have fought, you know, in the American wars for them. And, you know, they don't care about that stuff. They still treat our people as second and third class and fourth class citizens. Things are coming down the pipeline against the United States. There is a future that black America needs to pay attention to while we still have a, a little time left. It's our time now to rise and work 
with me in turning my vision and plan into a reality for the sake of our children. Don't do this for me. Just do this for our children. I don't want to waste another 31 years talking to people who just don't care about our children or let alone our people here in America. We're building a kind of Chicago to prove to the black world we're trying to do our part in helping the African-American community before I cut and run to Africa. I have to get this Christian business up and running just for credibility. Those who will be a part of our film project will go down in history with me and Sister Renee. I want my active group members and my listeners from around the globe to position yourself to deal with a global economy. Please leave a public comment on my YouTube page about the topic. Most of all, share this video podcast with your friends. This will help get the ball rolling. The scriptures that is the basis for Gercam is Second Corinthians. Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 17, from the King James Version, and Ezekiel, chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, King James Version. Thank you all for your time for listening to my um, video podcast. Again, I'm encouraging every listener, and I'm encouraging everyone that's in my Social groups, please do your part. Share this information with your friends on um, Facebook and any other social sites that you are on. Help make this video podcast go viral. Donate what you can to our film project. And I'm encouraging everyone that's um, on my friends list and everyone that's in my social group. Please purchase my revised book, either the softcover book for $15 plus shipping and handling, or the e-book for $9.99. You can find that information under the um, comment section on this video podcast. It's going to be um, on my author page or Amazon author page to get the book. You can also find our uh, virtual store on there. I mentioned that. Again, I mentioned our um, GoFundMe page on there as well to um, donate to our film project. And also we have a PayPal page that you can donate as well on there. But again, I'm doing the best that I can. So I don't want to just be sitting up here um, twiddling my thumbs. I'm, I'm doing commentary as a way of just trying to get my message out there. I'm encouraging people to have legitimate businesses, uh, black authors that's on my friends list or in my social groups. Come forward. Come make arrangements with me to come on the show so that you can promote your stuff. Because right now, connect with me while I'm still, quote unquote, small. Because once um, we get this film project fully funded and made, I'm going to be out in the field. I'm not going to be online as much. And I want people to meet me in real life. I'm not trying to cower behind a computer. I use the computer to uh, get my message out there loud and clear. And yes, again, I read my, my uh, speeches without shame. Because I want my listeners and group members to hear me loud and clear. This is not about entertainment. That's why I call it Help Stop the Genocide in American Ghettos. You can't sugarcoat uh, genocide. That's not nothing to play with. This is serious. This is business. So, I'm doing the best that I can. And I'm documenting what I'm doing. That's how come I, I try to do these videos every week. And that's why I host our virtual conference once a month. I'm trying to engage um, with my uh, listeners as well as people in my social groups. So this can be an interactive experience. Same thing that I'm doing online, I'm going to do this in our real business. Give people an opportunity to, to shine. But one thing for sure, everybody will get checked at that front door, meaning we're going to screen people going to look at your paperwork 
and we want to make sure we weed out these people that don't mean us any good. That's the degenerates, urban terrorists, pedophiles, con artists, all the negative type of black people. We want to move them out of this order, or uh, away from us, basically. We want to separate ourselves with from them, build this organization, and for me to turn it over to qualified black middle class professionals and for me to take my skills to the African continent and work with Africans that want more out of life. That's my goal. Africa, if you're serious about me bringing the, uh, the, the best of the diaspora to the continent, help me get this organization up and running by funding our film project. It's just that simple. Thank you all for your time. Peace and blessings.